What's up, guys? So today we are going to go through the Rams and the fantasy-relevant players on their team and kind of break them down and see where they where they or if they return value based on their current ADP. So Jared Goff, we're going to start with the quarterback position, is uh, honestly, I I did not like Jared Goff at all last year, but where he's going right now is QB 18 in the 12th round. I mean, I'm just intuitively, I'm okay with that, you know, pretty much like he is, um, I mean, in the 12th round, I feel like you can start Jared Goff pretty much every week. And I don't think you're sacrificing a ton in terms of points per game. He finished 2019 as QB 23. So that's pretty bad, right? And it's just sad. I think that's where his current ADP is kind of coming in at. But if you look at his first 11 games, he completed 61% of his passes for 270 yards per game, but he had only 11 passing touchdowns and 12 interceptions. He also was averaging 7.3 yards per attempt, so that's okay. But just the touchdown production wasn't there, and the interception total was too high. But over the final five games, he completed 66% of his passes, so up 5%. For over 328 yards per game, so 56 more passing yards per game, 7.6 yards per pass attempt, so that's up almost a half a yard, and 11 passing touchdowns to just four interceptions. His quarterback rating in that time, the first 11 games, was an 80.3. Final five games was a 98.2. And here's a stat that I thought was really interesting just to show you kind of how dialed in Goff was over the final five games. So, First 11 games, he was being sacked one every 22.8 pass attempts, which is actually a really good number. So over the final five games, he was being sacked one every 54 pass attempts. So about two and a half times more efficient over what was already a very efficient number. So Goff actually finished the season very quietly, very strong. And what I think he's going to do this year is I think I think that we'll actually see less pass attempts because he threw the ball over 600 times in 2019. I don't think that's what he needs to be successful. I think he needs less attempts, but I think his efficiency will rise. And I think that's what will happen this year. I think we'll see more of maybe not exactly what we saw in 2018, but I think we'll see a closer version of that than we, than what we saw in 2019. I do think that that overall was an outlier of a year. I don't, I think Jared Goff is a good quarterback and I think people are jumping the gun when they're, when they're kind of trying to hang this guy out to dry too soon. But I think a lot of the factors weren't even really his fault. He, he, the offensive line was bad for a lot of the year. They, they had to keep reworking the lineup and uh, to try and find their guys. And and I think they, they couldn't run the ball at all, and they weren't running the ball. And that's on McVay. They were not even trying to run the ball. So that's just it's just not good enough. Um, I think that McVay will learn from his mistakes last year. I think he'll get back to what he was in his first two years. It was a very, very, very balanced attack. A lot of running the ball, and that's when the offense clicks on all cylinders because when you're running the ball effectively from with that style of offense – that means that the defense has to bite up on those play fakes because it's a very simple offense in, in a lot of ways. Like they rely on the effectiveness of the run game, and that's what makes everything look the same. So the run, the play action really works in that offense. And when you're not running the ball effectively, and when defenses know that they can either 
play base or they don't have to they don't have to respect the run that much with their linebackers or their or their safeties then then that's when it becomes an issue so if if the rams can get off to a good start running the ball and stay committed to it even when they're not i think that's what will determine the success of jared goff but i do think that uh, honestly i think his floor is like somewhere around qb12 some something in that range so I think if you can get that guy in the twelfth round, and maybe even later in some drafts, um, I think you're gonna you're gonna have a solid starting quarterback. Nothing you may not be super excited about your quarterback every week, but you'll be he'll be a low end QB one in my opinion. So, all right, the running back position is definitely the most interesting of positions for the Rams and how this all will come together so the first guy on my list here is cam Akers. um i think Akers is a guy that is going to eventually be the starter there i think um that's pretty clear when he's drafted with the first overall pick in their draft which is a second round pick um i like daryl henderson too i just i just think that the sometimes you have to look at where the team invests in certain positions to see their intent so there now that doesn't mean that their intent for Acres to be the guy won't be derailed by a second year emergence or surge from Daryl Henderson. But what it means to me is that after a full season with Henderson, a full offseason last year and a full season, they they felt the need to use their first overall pick and they didn't have a first rounder. So they felt the need to use their first pick on a running back because they let 254 carries walk out last year with Todd Gurley. Um, and uh, yeah, so Akers is that guy. So Akers was a guy that that scored. So he caught 69 passes in his three years of college, he got 30 last year. Last year, he averaged over five yards per carry and had 18 total touchdowns behind an awful offensive line at Florida State. So he has proven to be a full... Um, a, guy, a running back that can do it all. So he can catch the ball and he can run between the tackles. And I think he's a perfect fit in this offense. Now he's being drafted as RB 29 in the sixth or seventh rounds. That's where I have a little bit of a problem. Um, I'm definitely not spending a six round pick, although that could be a serious value. I just feel like this year in particular, there are a lot of, good players at that point in the draft and guys that you can get that are surefire starters. For example, last year, here's what I'm worried about. Last year, a lot of people spent their eighth round pick or so on Daryl Henderson and Henderson had like a hundred and something rushing yards for the season. That isn't going to happen to acres. I don't think, but it, the threat of it is there because of a shortened off season and because of just, you know, many factors like it, I could see the Rams going full blown committee. I could see them throwing the ball a lot to Henderson and and, and Akers some, but more so to Henderson because he already has a year in the system. And I could see a lot of early down work from Malcolm Brown. So if I had to bet on it, Akers would be the guy. And I think that he will, when it's all said and done, return a lot of value from the running back rookie running back position. But I am not so confident or not this necessarily that I'm whether I'm confident enough or not. It's just a matter of whether I want to invest my six round pick in there. Now, seventh, eighth round, I'm much more likely, but I'll still at that point in most drafts, I can still get JK Dobbins. So it's not that I don't love acres because I do, especially in this offense. And I think he will be the guy, 
but it's just what you can get with that in terms of just a surefire starter at that point in the draft, I think makes it a difficult decision for me to pull a trigger on him at that point. I do want him, but I, I don't think I can just depends on how my team's looking at that point, I guess. And, and kind of what the board looks like there, but it's very hard for me to justify pulling the trigger at that spot on acres. Okay. Daryl Henderson being drafted much later, RB 45 in rounds late 10, all the way to round 12, somewhere in that range. So Henderson last year, over weeks six, seven, and eight, so three consecutive weeks is where he saw really the majority of his action as a from a production standpoint. He had 28 carries for 119 yards and zero touchdowns, but he also had four catches for 37 yards and zero touchdowns. So that's 4.3 a carry, and it's over nine yards per catch, so that's solid there. And after that, here's the concerning thing. So when we look at not just the fact that the Rams used their first overall pick on acres, but we look at after that, um, after three consecutive weeks where Henderson actually saw a workload, he saw a total of 10 carries and for 28 yards over the final seven games, no touchdowns. And then he was put on IR for a high ankle sprain on December 22nd. So I think that here's the thing that maybe could sell me on taking Henderson but it would involve also taking acres. If you take acres in, let's say, round seven, or especially if you take them in round six, you, in my opinion, it's, it's almost a must to also take Henderson in round 11 or 12. That way, you, sort of, you, you just sort of protect that investment. And there's a chance that if the Rams run the ball as much as I think they could, there's a chance that both of those guys could end up having standalone value. Um, you're not drafting them with that as an expectation, but it's something that could happen. And I just think that if you if you spend that high of a pick on Acres, you need to take Henderson uh, later on in your draft and just make sure you have both of those guys. That way, because I think this will be a good offense, and I think that that way you just own two key pieces of of a good offense and what has been other than last season a very consistent running the ball team. So even though they have the reputation of McVay is the boy genius and he, you know, pass, 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 that's not really who they have been over his entire career, short career here. So I think they've been very close to a 50-50 run pass team. And I think that's what they'll get back to this year. So grabbing both of these guys is something that I'm for, especially if you already grab acres in round six or seven, you should take Henderson. All right, Malcolm Brown. So here's what I think about Brown. I think that his ceiling is is first and first and second down kind of plotter between the tackles guy, and for about eight to twelve carries a game, I think that's his ceiling. Even though, and now don't don't take this as disrespect. If you're a Rams fan, I'm actually really high on his talent. I think he's a really good player. But I just think when we look at the actions of the organization with third round pick on Henderson, second round pick on Akers, getting rid of Todd Gurley, but only giving Brown like six carries over the final five games or whatever it was. Um, I think those actions show us, well, other than Brown had nine carries in the very last week of the season. But anyways, <clears throat> those actions show us that Brown is not the guy they are sort of rooting for to be that 
every down back. So um, the guys they're rooting for would be Akers, and second place would be Henderson, just based on what they've recently invested in those guys. Um, and the the contract of Brown says that he's a backup, that he's a good backup, but he's still a backup. Um, and also that combined with the fact that he was only targeted in the passing game a total of six times in 2019. So they're not going to throw – they don't want to throw the ball to him. They want to run the ball with him occasionally, and I think they'll do that. But he's not being drafted right now in fantasy drafts, and I don't think you should take him. I mean, you could take him with your last pick if you're running back – if your running back room is looking pretty thin just because just to see what they do with him in week one, have him on your roster for that game. Um, just, just in case he gets a lot of usage somehow, you know, maybe the other guys aren't ready yet. Maybe Henderson's still not ready and maybe acres doesn't know the, the offense yet. So there's a chance there, but I think overall, I I'm not crazy about Brown as a fantasy asset and um, I, you could probably just avoid him. So, Moving on to the wide receivers, we got Robert Woods is the first one I'm going to talk about. Not because he's my highest graded on their team necessarily, but just because he finished the season so strong. He's being drafted right now as wide receiver 21 in the fifth and sixth rounds. Um, so Woods saw 60 targets over the first eight weeks of the season. That was a 19.2% target market share. Over weeks 9 through 17, he saw 80 targets, which is good for a 26.6% market share, which was their their leading receiver in that, in that category over the final eight games of last year. He finished 2019 as wide receiver 20 in, in points per game, but he was the wide receiver 7 over the final eight games, and I stop at week 16 here. So the weeks 9 through 16 – he was the wide receiver seven in half PPR scoring. So I like his value in the in the um, fifth, sixth rounds. I think that we should not expect top 10 production, but I think somewhere in the middle of that, maybe wide receiver 18 to wide receiver 22 range is where he'll be, just where he was last year really for the full season. But I think a little bit more consistency. I don't think it'll be so lopsided to where he wasn't doing much at all over the first eight games and then he was going kind of crazy where he was wide receiver seven over the final eight games. Um, I think it'll be a more consistent but maybe not as crazy upside as last year. So I think he's solid value in the sixth round particularly. Um, and I think you should target him there all day. He's he's another one of those guys that if you've been following me, the, the wide receivers, why I say to potentially even go running back three straight times before you take your first receiver, because he's just another one of those guys that is a starter, a legit every week starter that you can get in the sixth round, maybe fifth round if you're, you know, if it's looking kind of thin. Uh, Cooper Cup, ADP is wide receiver 13, going in rounds three or four. So he started 2019 on fire. He was wide receiver four in points per game over weeks one through eight. The only problem is he was wide receiver 44 in points per game over weeks nine through 16. So his target share went from 27.9% over the first eight weeks down to almost cut in half to 15.6% over the final eight games. Um, so I like him a lot. I think that just like, uh, just like Woods, I think Cup will be more consistent this year. I don't think the variance will be so extreme, but I think in the third round, I'm most definitely not taking him 
in the third round. In the fourth round, mm, I'm still probably not, but I, I'm okay if you're higher on him than me. But I just think, like, if you ask me who do I like more, Woods or Cup, I'll say let's factor in their price and give me Woods all day long. Give me Woods in the sixth versus Cup in the fourth. You know, that's that's just a no-brainer to me. So, yeah, that's just that's just my stance on him. I think we're – we all remember how Cup started the beginning of the year last year and also how he played pre-injury that in 2018. And we kind of falsely inflate his value similarly to how we do with Alvin Kamara. We, we remember the good days so vividly because like, you know, when you got a guy scoring 30 plus points seemingly every week, it does something to you psychologically. So we remember those times and we think like, oh, that's who Cooper Cup is, you know, and then we look at his raw numbers from the season. We're like, yeah, everything lines up. But when you look a little deeper, Cooper Cup is um, becoming more of a boomer bust guy, which sounds weird even saying, but what he had been over the final few weeks of last season was just a pretty much a four catch for 35 yard guy, you know? So I don't think you can spend a third or fourth round pick on that guy. When the most recent football you've seen him play is a half a season sample size of him catching four for 35, you know? So I'm not, what kind of fantasy analyst would I be if I'm telling you to ignore that and draft him in the third or fourth round anyways? So I like both Woods and Cup, but we're talking about a guy. Do you like Woods more in the sixth or Cup more in the fourth? Yeah, I'm definitely leaning Woods in the sixth. Van Jefferson is another receiver on this team that I think will have fantasy relevance, but I think it may not be until the second half of the year, especially with all this COVID-19 and all the limitations this offseason. Van is a guy that reminded me of Stefan Diggs. Um, when I watched his tape at Florida, he, I saw him at the Reese's senior bowl as well. So I, and I didn't really even like his tape. So I watched him before the senior bowl, didn't love him. I was like, Hey, he's all right. And then I watched him and then he had a good, really good week at the senior bowl. And I watched him again later in the process. And I was like, what was I thinking? This guy's phenomenal as a route runner. And um, so I think he's a very polished physic from a physical standpoint. He's ready to play right now. He's very polished. He's not, he doesn't have the upside of a Stefan Diggs. He's not as dynamic, but just from a route running standpoint and it just sort of his size and body structure, I think he's very similar to Diggs. So Van Jefferson is from a physical standpoint is completely ready to play in the NFL. I just don't know enough about him to know that he's ready to know an NFL offense. I'm not sure. His dad is a, I believe a wide receiver coach with the jets. So um, it wouldn't surprise me. Everything I've heard from him, just to be clear, I don't think that there's nothing that I'm hearing that makes me think he doesn't or it won't know an NFL offense quickly. But just because he's a rookie in a limited offseason makes me a little little cautious on grabbing him <clears throat> in any type of role where I'm relying on him. But I think that he's a guy you may not have to draft, but it but you should definitely keep a close eye on him. And I think he's one of those guys similar to a lot of rookies every year where you just want to you want to take him with one of your last picks, probably because and just watch what he does for the first couple of weeks. And if he if he doesn't do anything then, just cut him. But don't get discouraged. Just keep an eye on him in the coming weeks because at some point in 2020, Van Jefferson is going to see an expanded role if he doesn't start out with one right away. And he's going to produce because the guy is just too good of a route runner. Uh, 
and he is athletic enough and explosive enough. And again, we go back to what was the organization's intentions? What do they, what have their actions showed us that they think about him? And they took him with their second overall pick in the third round of this year's draft. So after they let Brandon Cooks go, um, I think they're going to run, I think they'll run a little bit more 11 personnel this year because, uh, because of Van Jefferson. So it may be over the second half of the season, but I think 11 personnel will kind of get back into their main, main grouping. It, it, it always was their main grouping even last year, but they did show more 12. But um, I think they'll slowly get back to more 11, and I think Van Jefferson will be a big part of that. So moving to the tight end position, Tyler Higby, ADP is tight end nine, and he's going around seven or eight. Um, so this is so strange because Higby's been with the Rams for a few years now, and he's never really been that reception guy. That was always they wanted. They were trying to almost trying to looking back on it now. They were trying to force a square peg into a round hole with Gerald Everett in that role because they because of their um, draft investment into him mainly because now that we've seen what Higby can do as a receiver. It's like weird that they weren't giving Higby the ball all this time. But over the first 10 games of 2019, Higby saw just 33 targets, caught 26 of them for 212 yards and one touchdown. So that is only 8.2 yards per reception. So that just kind of shows you his role was like block and then like, we'll you know, we'll throw it to you underneath. Maybe, you know what I mean? Here and there. Then over the final five games, and part of this had to do with an injury from Gerald Everett, so he missed some action. But over the final five games, this guy, Tyler Higby, averaged over 11 targets per game. He caught, I mean, he saw 56 targets, um, almost nine catches per game at over 100 yards a game. So 43 receptions for 522 yards, yards per catch up to 12.1, so almost four full yards more per catch and just two touchdowns. So that's a little discouraging, but I think it's safe to draft him in the seventh or eighth round. I think he proved that he's clearly the tight end one on this team going forward. And I think that taking him in round seven or eight is fine with me. Um, I don't think we're going to see him being targeted over 11 times per game in 2020. But what I do think we'll see is a little uptick a little a little uptick in touchdowns and a little downtick in just overall volume. But I think the volume will still be solid, and I think you should feel pretty comfortable taking him in round seven or eight. Now, overall, I do like the I like the idea more of finding a starting caliber tight end in round 10 or later. But I think if you really like Higby and you want to take him, go ahead and spend your seventh or eighth round pick on him, especially your eighth round pick, I would say. Of course, but Gerald Everett, he's not going drafted right now. And over the first nine games of 2019, he had 365 yards. So that's not anything crazy. But then over the final um, four games, I think it was, or five games, he didn't play all 16. He only had 43 yards for the rest of the season. So <clears throat> this is a contract year for Everett. So I think that this is especially a year that they're not going to be enticed into using him more because it's almost like, what do they get out of that sort of thing? Like they just drafted another tight end. So the writing kind of on the wall for Everett, the writing's on the wall in the sense that they drafted another tight end, Bryson Hopkins and Everett's in a contract year where they 
are not going to want to pay him anything substantial. So why would they want to inflate his value monetarily or mon monetarily speaking? So it's sort of bring him in as a tight end too and see how long he can hold off Bryson Hopkins is what the most likely scenario for me um, on Gerald Everett is. Unless Higby gets hurt early, then I think Everett would have some value there but I still don't think he's necessarily a tight end one in fantasy really under any circumstances, at least not for 2020. All right. Bryson Hopkins is another guy. He's a rookie fourth rounder, I believe. And I liked Bryson Hopkins tape a lot coming out this year. I think he's a good player. He's not, you're not going to have to draft him and he'll start this season as the, as their third string tight end. But I think eventually he will be the number two and he may even be the tight end of the future in L.A., at least from a pass-catching standpoint. So I liked him a lot coming out. I believe of Purdue, he is just a guy that is a natural route runner and has good hands. And, you know, he's not anything dynamic, but he is definitely a good player and will catch his fair share of passes as a pro football player. All right, let's get into their defense real quick. So last season, 2019, they were 10th in yards per attempt allowed from a passing standpoint at 6.5 yards per attempt. So that's very good. They had 50 sacks, which is fifth in the NFL. Very good number there. The only problem is they did lose Dante Fowler, who had 11 and a half sacks, and they replaced him with Leonard Floyd. So that's a huge net minus there and then they lost also they lost clay matthews and replaced him with tyrell lewis who is a rookie but i think that he has a chance to be a really good player but i just don't see that as an as a immediate upgrade at least so i mean clay matthews had a really good year he almost had 10 sacks last year so that's a good chunk of their sacks that have just walked out the door but i still think the overall nucleus of the team is good and if they can get some juice from leonard floyd which we were unfortunately never able to see in chicago they they may be a respectable unit um i don't like that they fired sort of fired wade phillips i don't like that because i think when you look at their yard rushing yards per carry allowed they were ninth so in many areas last year this defense was actually pretty good it's just look man sometimes when you pass the ball 50 times a game you're not making it easy on your defense. You're actually hurting your defense. So I think this defense was more of a victim of the offense's unsuccessful um, in just mainly just in how often they were on the field, constantly putting them back on the field in tough positions because they were turning the ball over a lot. But I think the defense is actually better than that. And I think if the Rams run the ball, if the Rams are committed to the run, then this defense will be much better in 2020, even though they have lost some significant they're at a sort of talent deficit for from 2019 to 2020 but i think that a commitment to the run game will leave this as a very respectable unit so anyways guys if you want to chat about this or anybody i miss or you don't agree with just hit me on my dms on twitter that's at fairshakefb and on instagram that's at fairshakefootball all right guys thanks for listening